series about prayer. And it's, you know, I called it call or text. You know, call or text. And, and why? Well, we all have a cell phone. We all call people or we text people. Um, and if you're not doing that, you know, you're, you're communicating in some other way. But the majority of us use our cell phones to communicate to people around us. I don't know about you, but if I leave my house and I realize I don't have my cell phone, I usually turn around and go back, right? Unless I'm going somewhere really close, just for a second, and I know I'm coming right back, I will turn around and go back and get my cell phone. Why? Well, I want to be able to have somebody communicate to me. Like, what if somebody needs me, right? What if somebody needs to tell me something? And so I like this concept that we need to remember as Christians that we have our communication, our connection to God with us all the time. And as simple as it is to grab your phone and text somebody or to call somebody up and talk to them, that's how simple it is to connect and talk to God. Now, some of us, you know, talk to him, right? You know, it's like some of us literally out loud, you know, say a prayer to God. You know, maybe you do it with your meals. Maybe you do it before you go to bed at night. Maybe you do it with your your spouse or your family on a regular basis. I will not only sometimes pray out loud, but many times I'll pray in my head. I, You know, I've had people say, well, can God hear with your thoughts? I'm like, well, let's read the Bible, right? How many times did Jesus say, Knowing their thoughts, he said this to them, right? Or knowing their thoughts, you know, he said, hey, I know what you're thinking, that, you know, but this is, this is the truth. So if Jesus, while he was here on earth, knew the thoughts of everybody around him, I wonder if the disciples were like, it dawned on him one day, like, oh my gosh, he knew their thoughts. He probably knows my thoughts. Like, oh, I've been thinking about this or that. But if he can hear thoughts, we see biblically, we know that he can hear our thoughts when we pray, now his spirit is in us. Besides that, he's released the Holy Spirit in us. So many times we'll think up our prayers and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to God. Some people kind of get worried and concerned and they're like, well, you know, I, I don't know what to pray or I don't know what to say or, or what if I say it wrong? Well, nothing bad's going to happen if you say it wrong. You know, God knows your heart. And so he is going to hear your cry. I always tell people, you know, help me. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me. That's a perfect prayer, right? Just help me. Help me. So it doesn't have to be super long and complicated. Sometimes it's as simple as help me, Lord, you know, or I just plead the blood of Jesus over me. I plead the blood of Jesus over this situation. Um, You know, a lot of times people don't understand what does it mean to plead something. Well, you know, for the Jewish people, everything was about judgment day, right? We, we know one day we'll be before the Lord and we have to be judged. And if you know anything about going into a courtroom, when you go into a courtroom, they will tell the charges against you and then you have to plea. You have to make a statement of whether or not you are innocent or guilty. And, and in some cases, it's more modern day co- cases, we have no contest. Um, but what we do is when we stand before the Lord one day and, and we're judged and he's going to come, you know, the judge is going to come and he's going to say, you did this, 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 this. Mine's going to go on for a while. This, 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 this. You know, and it's going to, like another hour later, this, 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 this. Oh, I need you to do this, this, this. And so we stand in there, right? You hear all the charges against me. How do you plea? I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus, right? I am not innocent and I am not guilty, Right? 
Because I was guilty, but I was made innocent by the blood of Jesus. So I don't even get to plead one or the other. I just plead the blood. That's why we say, I'm going to plead that blood of Jesus when I stand before the Lord. And so sometimes when you're in a situation, you might know, like, eh, I kind of got myself into a bad one here. Or maybe, you know, because of circumstances, this person got into something. And, you know, I don't know how to even say it. Like, I don't, you know, there's shame there. I don't even know, can I pray for this situation, even though I maybe caused it? That's why you plead the blood. You know, the blood covers this. I want to cover this with the blood of Jesus. May your grace, may your peace, may your healing be over this situation, Lord. So there's lots of different ways we can pray. We also talked about writing things down. Um, Some people call it having a prayer journal. And, you know, people will say, well, Mary, is that biblical? Can I really write down my prayers? Well, how many of the books of the Bible, especially the Old Testament here, are we reading that was somebody's prayer journal? When you're reading through the book of Psalms, when you're reading through Proverbs, when you're reading through some of these different things, what you are literally reading is somebody who was talking to God and they wrote it down. They said, oh, Lord, the enemy is all around me. You know, I'm worried in this, but you are mighty. Come and, you know, rescue me. Or, oh, Lord, you know, like, I should be down with the dogs. I have done this. I have done this. But in your mercy and grace, you build me up. You know, like, when you read through that, it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching in some cases. And, and guess what God does? He comes and he rescues them. And they wrote it all down. And then it was saved as the years went on, and then it became these holy scriptures, because depending on who the person was that wrote it, and what the Lord revealed about that person, and the prophecies in that. And so I often tell people, it's very scriptural to write it down. There's verses that talk about, you know, write the vision down, so the herald may run with it. What does that mean? It means if you don't write down your plans, you're going to forget them, and you'll never do them. But if you write it down, if God gives you a vision, if God gives you a desire, if you have this desire, this is, this is how I'm going to be, right? If I write it down and I post it somewhere, well, then every day I'm going to run with that. And every day I'm going to remember that. Every day I'm going to try to do that, right? So those are just some things to, to remember as we go through this season of prayer to remember that, you know, you can be talking to God throughout the day, but sometimes you, you might need to write something down. And so we talked about in our prayer sessions here, connection to God, right? So you can go back and watch those videos on Facebook and see that intro to prayer. Then last week, we talked about our connection to the Father and how we have been given the right and the privilege to be adopted into his family because of what Jesus did. So when we pray... We can pray directly to the Father, and that's not supposed to be a punishment. You're not allowed to talk to Jesus. It's supposed to be a privilege. Jesus was really trying to let the disciples know that when you talk to God, you can go directly to the Father and see him, not as this almighty, powerful God that wants to smite you and kill you, and you might not deserve to be in his presence, but rather, when you go to God, look at him as a loving father, and you as his child, and him wanting to bless you, and him wanting to hold you, and him wanting to take care of you. And when we go to the Father, we use the name of Jesus. So last week, we talked about when we pray, we can say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Help me. 
And so you can look back on that video if you have any questions about that. But today, I wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty. All right, you guys can handle this. Because some of you might be all like, oh, she's talking about me. Who told her, right, you know? Have you ever, have you ever heard a message you're like, what? Yeah, no, I don't have time for that. You got a problem, make an appointment, I'll go talk to you. If somebody else comes in to tell me about your problems, I'm going to tell them. You go talk to them. I don't have time for that, right? So I'm not preaching this because of any specific, you know, situation, but rather as I was asking the Lord, like, how do we end this session on prayer as we finish up February? And he said, the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how many times I get up here and teach you how to pray, who to pray to, that you should pray, that you could pray this way, that you could pray this way. You aren't going to do it if you don't feel like it. Right? I mean, Maybe some of you are really disciplined. My husband's way more disciplined than me. He'll do things that he doesn't feel like because he knows it's the right thing to do. And there's some of you out there that are like him. But then there's some of you like me. You're like, oh, I don't want to clean the bathroom today. It's not that bad, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like the night before your mother-in-law is coming for a visit. Guess what you're doing? You're scrubbing that toilet because you care about what she thinks. And so some of us, we just don't feel like it. And the problem is, we typically don't feel like it when we need God's help the most. When you're sick, and you're suffering, and you're vomiting, or you're in bed with a fever, you don't feel like praying, right? You don't feel like doing things when you're miserable. When you just got into a fight with a friend, and you're all stressed out, and you're angry, and, and you want to call somebody up and complain about that person, the last thing you feel like doing is praying, Lord, bless her. Lord, bless the situation. You just don't feel like it. So we need to be real about that. We need to be real and say, that is part of the human condition. You want to know how many different people I've had in my office, and they're, just, they're going on and on and on about the person they're mad at. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. How should we pray for them? What do you mean we're going to pray for them? You need to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, but first I want to know how you think we should pray for this person here. Well, you need to pray. They like blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, is that a blessing? Because God's word says, right, pray for your enemy. Bless those that are persecuting you. Now, I know you don't feel like praying and blessing somebody you're mad at. And I know they don't deserve it. And I really don't want you to do that and then put it all over Facebook. I'm blessing this person and praying for this person to get credit for it. The whole point of it is to make us stop in the middle of these situations and recognize that you can still pray and bless somebody even though you're upset. And in the midst of that, after we pray and bless them, we're going to pray and bless you as well. But if we don't get in the habit of doing what we don't feel like because it's the right thing and then we begin to realize those benefits of it, we'll never do it. Okay? So let's look here at some of these scriptures and some of the things that the Lord really put on my heart. I've heard this before, and I'm sure you have too, that feelings are fickle, and they come and go. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever felt that, right? Like when you're dating somebody, oh, isn't that funny? Look what they do. And then you marry them, and you're like, you better stop doing that. That's disgusting. Why do you do that, right? 
But when you were dating, you thought it was funny. Because you weren't offended when you were dating. When you were dating, you were in this honeymoon phase. You just enjoyed being with that person. You had all this fun, and you overlooked things. And then all of a sudden, now they're irritating you. Why does that happen? Because your feelings are fickle. You felt in love in the beginning, and now you got day-to-day life, and now you're starting to feel irritated. A lot of times you watch these movies or you read these books, and somebody will say, well, like, well, what do you feel like doing? Well, I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like paying my bills. I don't feel like, well, if I did everything I felt, I'd be having a lot of problems, wouldn't I? And you would have a lot of problems, too. You cannot let your feelings rule you. But we have this romanticized attitude in America with our Hollywood stories that feelings are the most important thing. But feelings are not given to us from God to rule our lives. If that was the case, we wouldn't have brains and we wouldn't have wisdom and we wouldn't make decisions, you know, after calculating things out. The Bible wouldn't say there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. We would just, uh, whatever my feelings tell me to do, I'll do that. See, feelings were given to us as a gift from God to enhance our life and make us aware of things, but that was it. You're supposed to stop at that point. If I am down at the school parking lot, and I see a boy kicking another boy laying there on the ground, which I've had that happen before. Guess what happens? I feel outraged. I feel like there needs to be justice. I feel bad for the boy that's laying on the ground and getting kicked. And so what does that feeling make me do? It makes me think that something needs to be done, and then now an action goes into it, and I start walking towards the children to tell them to knock it off. Now, I'm not supposed to go home and continue to feel outraged and I let that feeling of justice and the feeling of disgust be with me the rest of the night and that's all I can talk about and that's all I can think about and, and now i got to go do all this stuff. No, the feeling was in that moment to do something about it and then it's supposed to end and I'm supposed to be able to get in the car with my kids and feel joy and feel peace and feel happy that they tell me about their day and then I'm supposed to go home and, and begin to do something else. But many times, we allow these feelings to overwhelm us to the point where we become obsessed with these feelings, and that's all we can think about. And we can no longer allow ourselves to get back to the feelings that are important. Same thing that happens, like I said, when you're dating someone. This feeling of love, this feeling of lust, this passion. All of a sudden, you're with somebody that maybe, on paper, isn't the best person for you. But I feel like I'm in love with them, so I should just be with them. Well, the feeling of love and passion would happen with any person you're with that way, especially when a relationship is new. Just because you feel all excited and great with that person doesn't mean that that is the person you should marry or be with forever, right? You need to step back, again, wisdom, multitude of counselors, and look at what is going on. Now, the Bible tells us and warns us about these feelings. Again, they're good. I'm glad I have feelings. I'm glad I can feel passionate and excited about things. But I need to be aware that they shouldn't rule my life. If we look here in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Deceitful. My heart is deceitful? Why does it want to deceive me? 
because that's just the feeling zone. Now, obviously, they didn't know about the heart pumping. Uh, you know, a lot of these interpretations, I like to look when they talk about the heart, I often think about our soul and our emotions and how we, how we react to people. And then I have a spirit that should be ruling me and is connected to God. And my heart and my emotions and my feelings and how I connect with other people is something that I have and I need. It's a part of me. I'm made in the image of God. He's spirit, he's soul, he's body, right? Body is Jesus. The Holy Spirit's a spirit, right? God the Father with his passions and his relation to us is the soul of God and we're made in his image. And people have three parts, a spirit, a soul, and a body. And the word tells me that this heart, that these emotions can try to deceive you. So what does that mean, Mary? Whenever I have a feeling I shouldn't do anything about it? No, you should listen to it. A feeling is letting you know what you're experiencing. But once you've experienced it, you don't have to take that feeling with you. I have been in some like crazy situations, scary situations, all these different things. I experience it. I feel it. I use my intellect and my spirit with God to make a decision to deal with it. And then when I walk out, I don't take those feelings with me. I leave them over there. Right? We have to be aware of this, that our heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? We don't understand it, but we have to live with it. We have to figure out what to do with it. We see here in Proverbs 28, verse 26, it says, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. What does he mean by that? Yourself. Well, if all I talk to and and relate a situation to is me... My spirit's talking to my soul, and that's the only wisdom I have, the only counsel I have. I'm going to be a fool because I'm going to be directed by my feelings. But if I have counsel, if I walk in wisdom, then I'll be kept safe, right? When I'm in a situation where I need to figure out what to do, I need to have wisdom. I need to have counsel. I need to have some sort of outside perspective and not just be run by whatever my feelings say. See, the enemy will do whatever he can to affect your feelings. If you allow your feelings to control you, you will never communicate with God because you won't feel like it. Well, God didn't do this. I tried this. I've prayed here. I've done that. And nothing's happening. I'm not going to try that again. Well, that's not what, first of all, the wisdom and counsel of the word says. It says again and again and again, be persistent, keep praying, do it every single day. People will say, well, does the Bible really tell you to pray every single day, Mary? Well, when the disciples went to Jesus and they said, how should we pray? Part of the our Father who art in heaven is give us our daily bread, right? So if he's telling us to ask for that day's bread, that means tomorrow I need to pray that again. And so we see that Jesus prayed all the time. Paul tells us to pray continually, That's a hard concept for some people, especially if you are more regimented or rigid. Continually, I pray first thing in the morning when I get up. I pray for my meals. I pray when I go to bed. Okay, well, that's your continually. That's how you're praying throughout the day. Some of us, you know, realize that God's presence is with me constantly. I might be in a meeting and something's going on and I just start praying in my head. Okay, Lord, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I think I should say, but I don't know if that's what you want me to say. Lord, bless this person. 
bless the situation. Sometimes you're talking to somebody, you're watching TV, you're at the movies, and all of a sudden you have this thought of, oh, my neighbor's going through this situation. Even though I'm sitting here watching, I don't know, the Avengers with my kids, I'm going to start praying. See, that praying continuously is letting us know it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what's going on, you can say and talk to God because he's constantly with you. Feelings will change, but the truth remains. You can have different feelings for the exact same situation, and what has changed? The situation may be the exact same, but because of outside circumstances, this person I love, now I hate. Right? This job that I loved, I was so excited about, now I hate. The, the truth didn't change, right? This is the same job, but my feelings changed. That's why you need to examine and say, why am I feeling this way, and what do I do with that? Just because I feel like going home and taking a nap, I'm going to choose to stay and do this or do that because that's the right thing to do. That's super hard. And that's why I'm saying, like, when it comes to prayer... I want you to create a habit or a routine or establish something in your life that says, doesn't matter if I'm mad at God, if I'm mad at myself, if I have a fever, if I don't feel good, no matter what might happen, I will still pray to God every single day because his word tells me to do that. And when I do that, my feelings might change also. I have had situations that, oh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get mad. You ever get mad? My mom ever gets mad? I get mad sometimes. And, you know, I might come home, I might be like, oh, let me tell you about this and tell you about that. And, and I'll be honest, there have been times where, like, I've been mad about something for more than a day, maybe two days, maybe three days. And then all of a sudden one day, stop talking about it. And if my husband says, oh, what's going on with so-and-so? Oh, well, you know, and I put on the powdered sugar, and I, and I say, well, this is how I'm going to handle it, and this is going to be good. And, this is, and, and he, he never says anything because he's just used to me. But in the beginning, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Yesterday, you were mad about this. Why today are you putting powdered sugar on this situation? Well, I finally prayed about it. I finally pulled out my prayer journal. And... Here's the thing, you would think after all these years that I would know better by now, that I would know, like, I should just come home and immediately grab that prayer journal and just write it all out to God and pray about it because he does something in my heart. When I pray and give it to him, you know, and, but that has been years of discipline of me giving situations to him and learning that once I give it to him, I can walk away from it. I can put my hands in the air and say, I give, it's you, God. you got to figure this out because he always comes through. Something will change, something shifts, and sometimes it's not the situation. Sometimes the only thing that shifts and changes is my heart attitude about it. And all I can do is know that that was God, that I was able to now bless this person that I felt like was being my enemy. I can pray for this person who's been persecuting me, and I can all of a sudden, my feelings change because I'm no longer responsible to figure this out. A lot of times your feelings are freaking out because your mind thinks that you've got to figure this situation out. 
And when you pray, you're acknowledging that this situation is beyond my control, and I'm giving it to God, and now somebody that's bigger and stronger than me is now working on it. That's worth the prayer right there in and of itself, isn't it? Just acknowledging. And remember, if prayer is simply connecting with God, it's the same thing as, you know, a school teacher having this horrible situation in her classroom with, with the kids and feeling like it's 100% her responsibility to figure this out and carrying that burden of this child or this situation day after day after day and the feelings of, I, I'm responsible for this, i got to fix this, oh, it's affecting the other kids, and, and this burden, this burden, this burden, until one day she gets to school a little bit early and she walks into the principal's office and says, I don't know what to do about this situation. Now, what is she doing? She's just called, texted. She's just now communicated to someone who has more power and ability and wisdom and or resources or whatever above her with a situation. And maybe this principal will be like, well, that's crazy. I just had someone volunteer, and they want to sit in a classroom and be an aide. I'll put the aide with you, right? And then all of a sudden now maybe the situation shifts. And I know that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but when we pray, we're going to God and saying, I need help. And our attitude and our emotions can change because of that. So habits are pretty standard in most of our lives. Most of you got up today, put shoes on. I would assume that you did not sleep last night in your shoes. Some of you might have, but most of you didn't. I assumed at some point in the last week you put your clothes on. I'm hoping most of you brushed your teeth. Your, your hair looks all great today, so y'all fixed your hair. These are habits that we do to protect our bodies or to allow our bodies to look good or to be presentable, whatever your definition of that is for your body. So when we say, I'm going to create this new habit and I'm going to make sure I pray, even if I don't feel like it, it's the same thing as you saying, I get up and put my shoes on before I leave the house every day, even if I don't feel like it. Especially when you get older and you get a little bit around your tummy. You don't want to get down to your feet. But you figure it out, don't you? You get slip-on shoes. You do something. You make it way for your feet to be covered with a shoe before you leave the house. So whatever you're making a way to make sure that you have time for prayer and communication to God every day needs to be just as important as covering your feet. Let's look here. In Romans, why is this so important that we don't allow our feelings to dictate our prayer times or our life? If we look here in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We know that if we're faithful in prayer and we are joyful in hope, and patient in affliction, that we'll be able to get through this situation and move on to the next level. Now, patience is hard. Patience is different than waiting. You and I might be in the exact same situation, and the answer's not coming for six months, and one of us might be patient, and one of us might be waiting. What's the difference? When you're patient, you're waiting with hope, with expectancy, knowing that somebody else is going to be there to help you. So as Christians, patience is a virtue that we have to develop and mature as mature adult Christians. It's not something you have when you're a two-year-old. I don't know any of you two-year-olds that are patient. I haven't met one yet. 
I did daycare and I did preschool for a lot of years. They want it now and they want it their way. We can be two-year-olds as Christians, but what God wants us to do is to be patient in the affliction. It doesn't say that you won't have affliction, but when you do have affliction, can you wait and trust on the Lord that he's going to help you with this situation? So we see this here, how he says, he says, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. That's the one that really requires us to do something, that takes that effort. We also see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. And it says, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. So this was something that even the Christians in this new church, as they're trying to create this after Jesus went up to the cross and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, that they struggled with. I don't know why, but I think sometimes we think that the Christians, right after Jesus ascended into heaven and had the Holy Spirit falling on them, that they were somehow more special than we are. That they had some sort of closer connection than we do, and that their life was easier than what we have, and, and, and their ability to pray, or their, their ability to not have problems, but that's wrong. I mean, they were dealing with an occupying force. We're, right now, we're seeing Russia has occupied the Ukraine, which I know somebody asked about prayer. Let's just pray real quick. Father God, be with those people in Europe that are having battles and wars. We just ask you to, for your wisdom to come upon all of those that are in charge, may your will be done in this situation, and may peace come to that region, and may it not affect us here in the U.S., Father God. Help us and help them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. See, that's how simple it is to connect to God. When a thought does come, when you're scrolling through Facebook and someone says, please pray, just stop in your head. Lord, help them. Watch over them. Be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. That quick. Just stop. It, it, there's like there's this one prayer warrior guy that I've read his book, his biography, and I was reading a, a commentary on it, and so this person knew it, this guy. And he said, what you're about to read is not his thoughts. He's like, I've known this guy, and he does this. I've been out to dinner with him and his wife before, and we'll start talking about a situation, and they will literally say, let's pray about that. And you stop your conversation. They'll say a prayer like that, just real simple prayer, and then they'll you know, open their eyes again, and they'll continue on with the conversation. And that's the type of praying without ceasing that happens. But the Christians that we read about here with all these letters, so if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's a collection of different books or letters. The New Testament has the four gospel accounts of Christ. Then we have the book of Acts, which talks about what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. And then after that are letters. And then it ends with a prophecy in Revelations by the Apostle John. But the letters tell us the struggles that the new Christians were going through because they would write to the apostles questions or concerns, and then the letters would be written out to help them. And so what we see is that they not only were learning how to have this Holy Spirit in them and how to apply it to their lives, but they were also dealing with these occupational forces and the country being at war and all these different things happening. And so Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and saying, right, 
Stop thinking like infants. Don't think like children. Think like adults. So yes, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and yes, you can call in the name of Jesus, and yes, you've seen miracles, and yes, answered prayers, and yes, you are saved, but your thoughts will ruin your life. Your emotions and your feelings in that moment, if that's all you're focused on, will cause chaos. So we have to figure out a way to take those thoughts, acknowledge them, and then set them on the shelf and say, that is not where my focus will be. So let's look here in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start here in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is he saying to this church? Look, you're not all adults yet. You've still got a lot to learn. You, you believe in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you. But God has given us teachers, evangelists, prophets. People are going to come in and they're going to teach you. Because your mind right now is like a child, and your emotions and your feelings are taking you here and there. So by bringing in these teachers, go and listen, get mature, get this wisdom, and then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I mean, that sounds pretty intense. Is that what we're going through? Well, I don't know. You might say, well, I don't, I don't listen to anybody else's teaching. I don't, I don't let anybody else affect me. Oh, okay. So you don't watch the news. You don't go on social media. You don't listen to the opinions of this or that, right? You don't have situations that happen, and your own mind is tossing you here with this emotion and then tossing you over here with this emotion. When we become mature, you can sit in the middle of a meeting, and somebody can be upset, and all these things are going on. Uh-huh. And you... You're not letting their feelings affect you. You have to deal with the situation. You have to maybe experience it. Then you have to walk out, and you have to know that you are okay, that you didn't get tossed back and forth. He goes on with this, with this teaching. I love this. In verse 17, he says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, so these would be people that do not know Christ. In their futility of their thinking, it's your thinking, your thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Heart, that heart word again. I'm telling you, they were not talking about cholesterol and your arteries blocking up. I know some of you have hard hearts and you need to go see your heart doctor. But that is not what he was talking about here. Their understanding of it, your soul, your emotions, do not let them get hardened. Sometimes your emotions make you mad and bitter and you have a grudge and you are stubborn and you don't go anywhere because your heart has been hardened. And he is saying it is your thinking that affects this because your emotions, your feelings, they're going to come. Uh, you're going to feel, I feel this way, I feel that way, but I don't have to change what I'm doing. But when your feelings and your heart and your emotions 
come and all of a sudden it begins to change and you begin to let that dictate what you do, that is when you have an issue. I love how in verse 17 he says, I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. I love that. He's like, it's not me insisting it. I'm trying to do this with the Lord. You know, like the Lord wants me to tell you this, that your thoughts and your feelings can make your heart, your soul hard. So be aware of that. It goes on here in verse 22 where he says, you were taught with regard to your former ways to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Before you knew Christ, you went whatever your heart desired, whatever your feelings told you to do. You were mad one day, happy the next, upset, down, blah, 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 blah. But when you have Christ in you, that peace can remain because it's not based, my joy, my peace is not based on my outward circumstances. My joy and my peace is based on who, knowing who I am in Christ and that I'm forgiven, that he loves me. He says, you put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, some of you are sitting there going, Mary, I know we've never sat down to talk, but I'm not righteous, and I'm not holy. And uh, I've known the Lord for a long time, and that hasn't happened yet. But guess what? We put on Christ's righteousness. See, Mary is not righteous, but Christ is. And it's the Christ on me, it is the Christ in me that makes me holy and righteous. And that is the part that I need to focus on. So when my feelings say... You're a dirty dog, and you should feel ashamed, and you just did this, and you should just do that. I can be like, yep, but I'm going to have Christ on me. I'm going to be righteous and holy because of what he did. So one of the things that helps us in remembering this is by taking communion. So today, I just shared with you all these different places in the Bible that has showed us that we need to put off our emotions, put off of our fleshly ways, not be the two-year-old with our emotions and attitudes, but instead... Do what is right and control our emotions and pray when we're feeling upset or bad, no matter what. And we see here in James chapter 2 where he talks about this again. He keeps trying to remind everybody. And he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It means you keep going even though you don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. You're doing it because you know that's what God wants you to do because you know it's right. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When you stop doing what is right because of your feelings or you allow feeling your feelings to dictate whether or not you pray, you lack something. You lack that trust, that confidence in knowing that God is with you. You lack that joy. You lack that peace because your you know, deep down desires that is happening with your spirit is based on your feelings and not the joy and peace God has given you. Let your perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, now this is prayer. He's saying, you're saying, oh, I don't have wisdom. I'm still being tossed around. Ask, Pray. When you pray, you must believe and not doubt, 
because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, I've been double-minded, and I've been unstable. That doesn't mean God hated me and that he didn't help me and that I didn't grow and mature, but I had to ask for wisdom and recognize that. Lord, I'm praying one minute, and then when my feelings tell me that you're not going to help me the next, I'm worried. I had to pray and say, God, help me mature in this area. Give me the wisdom. Give me the ability to trust you. Just like the, the father who had said, help me with my unbelief. It's okay to, to pray for that. But you have to acknowledge that that's what's going on. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. What they're going to do is pass out the communion. Um, I'm going to bless it. And what we do by taking this communion is acknowledging that we need Jesus, that we need that blessing to come upon us, that we need that peace he promises us. We need that forgiveness. We need that healing. And when we receive and are reminded about the fact that his body was broken and that his blood was shed, we're able to come in to an understanding with him and saying, I want your holiness, I want your righteousness. So our communion table is open to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But let me bless this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I consecrate this bread and juice for Holy Communion. Father, may your Holy Spirit fill it in the name of Jesus. We pray, remember, and trust in you. Amen. So as they pass these out, feel free to peel off the top part, get your wafer ready, um, peel off the part where the juice is, and just hold on to it as we take it all together at one time. Oh, Father God, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for sending Jesus to the cross and helping us and being with us. As we prepare our hearts, some of us are sitting here and saying, I don't always pray. Sometimes my emotions do rule me. And that's okay. God knows. That's why he said, I'm going to send you teachers and preachers and evangelists and prophets to remind you. So, Father God, we just ask you to continue to teach us, continue to bless us, continue to show us how to live a better way, how to live that fullness while we're here on earth, how to have heaven on earth while we're here, how to deal with the situations that we encounter. We need your help. Now, the Jewish people would once a year have their... Passover meal, and it would remind them that a lamb had been sacrificed and the blood was put on the doorposts of their homes so that the death angel had passed over them. As the Christians began to gather, they would take the bread and juice, and they would now, instead of eating the flesh of a lamb, they would take the bread and break it and let that be the flesh and the reminder of Jesus' sacrifice, his beating, his whipping, and going to the cross. And they would drink the wine or the juice to remember that the blood that was shed, now we've, we can apply that to the doorposts of our heart. And to say, this dwelling will be passed over by the angel of death. Which, you know, we don't want Satan to come in and be able to 
trash our place and try to kill us? No. The blood of Jesus now covers this dwelling, my body, my being, and I am blessed. And when he went to the cross, he did that so we can receive this. We can receive forgiveness of our sins. We can receive healing in our body, and we can receive his peace. So as you take this, I want you to have this not only be a remembrance of what he did, but a rededication of your dwelling. Paint that blood, right, on the doorpost of your heart as, you're, as you consume it. You're putting it in your body. And be reminded tomorrow when the emotions come, and they will, I don't have to let you rule me. I might feel that way, but I'm not acting that way. I might be thinking this, but I'm going to change my stinking thinking and because my, my feelings are fickle, and I'm going to make a decision to shift my thoughts. I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to text God. Maybe you put them in your notes, right? Maybe you email it to yourself. Maybe you just talk. I got, I mean, oh, goodness, somebody got to hold my phone, and they listen to all my audio recordings. They're going to be like, who's this lady talking to? I'm talking to God. You don't want to hear it. Some of it's complaining. Some of it's thanking. But what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging in that moment that these thoughts have nowhere to go, and they're going around and around. And if I keep listening to them, I'm going to do something stupid. So, Lord, you better listen to me because i got to get them out of my head. And I get them all out, and all of a sudden I start feeling better, and the Holy Spirit then comes to comfort me. What did I do? I just invited him into the situation. I invited him in to change my thoughts, to change what's going on in my soul and my spirit, to mature me and to bring me up to a higher level. As we get older, we learn to go to the right people for help. When my kids were little, Mommy, help me with my math. Honey, you were asking the wrong person. Go ask your dad. Once those kids got old enough and they mature thinking, they asked their dad, right? So we, as we mature, we're going to realize that our emotions will not solve our problems. Our thinking will not solve our problems, but God will. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much for sending Jesus to that cross, as much as as painful as it was. But because of what he did, now... We are forgiven. We have that peace. We can put that blood of Jesus over our situations and over our hearts. And as we read here in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says that while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. We thank you for this bread. We thank you for what Jesus did. We break it, and we take it as we remember what Christ did for us. And as we read here in verse 27, it says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Father God, we receive this right now in the name of Jesus. And as we put this representation of Christ's blood into our body, we apply this. And we say, Angel of death, demon of stinking thinking you're not welcome in this home anymore you might try to come in but we're going to recognize it and we're going to call out to God and he's going to come into our hearts and help clean us up because we trust you Father God we trust that your peace that has been released will be invited into our hearts and the wisdom that you promise us that you will give us 
So we ask for it now. Give us wisdom this week. Give us peace and help us to create a new habit in our life that we don't only pray. Some people only pray when they have hard times, right? Sometimes people only pray, you know, when they're feeling like it. But we, Father God, want to pray every day, no matter what, and invite you into every situation we have. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you guys all have a wonderful week, a wonderful day. I will be back here tonight at 6 o'clock in the sanctuary for a Bible study. You're invited to come. Feel free to bring a neighbor. The women's Bible study will be Wednesday at 11. The blessing shop is open. And if you're able to help us move a few objects, um, feel free to hang out for a few minutes, and we will get those moved. Thank you so much.